Welcome to another episode of Complete Developer Podcast, the podcast by coders for coders about all aspects of creating your best life as a developer. I'm Will, the accomplished developer, author, and software architect. And I'm Beach, the journeyman developer sharing my journey in development. Complete Developer Podcast is supported by listeners like you. We are now on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Complete Developer Podcast. Happy birthday, Beach! Birthdays come every year and uh, we continue getting older. Ageism in development is a real thing in some areas of the industry and a concern for senior developers becoming more, well, senior. In this episode, we're going to discuss how to age gracefully as a software developer. We'll talk about what you can do while younger and what to do as you age to help you be your best self throughout your entire career. But before we get started, Will, what's been aging you this week? I don't know. I wasn't. Yeah, I was wondering how you were going to roll that one. Uh, well, I passed my Scrum Master cert Friday morning. I got about three hours of sleep that night and could not go back to sleep. Came downstairs and was like, okay, well, I could I could work. I couldn't really do much because of the status of our, our tickets. And I was like, well, this is kind of hanging out there. And so I got 96% on the test with three hours of sleep and a headache. So, uh, yeah, it wasn't bad. I had a pretty good, you know, the classes I took were, uh, very, very good. I think that was a big portion of making me understand some of the things that were kind of trick question type deals, not entirely trick questions, but it was not what you would think is the right answer based off of how scrum gets done in a lot of places, I guess is how I would put it. I mean, you went through it. You know what I'm talking about? Pretty excited about that. So, uh, how about you? I, uh, well, this episode is actually coming out on my birthday. So that's kind of cool. Was able to time that. I think, uh, when we had your, when your birthday was on a Thursday, we, we timed it to say something about that too. I'm trying to remember when the last time was that happened. Yeah. I don't know. I think we did. I don't remember exactly. Sometimes it's on, sometimes it's off. So, but, uh, yeah. So I actually played with the worship team for the first time at, uh, at practice. It wasn't like, in a service this past week that went well. Our worship director did not pick an easy song. So that was a fun challenge. She told me, she was like, I didn't want to give you guys. Cause there's another guy who's also learning. He's learning bass. She's like, I didn't want to give you a song that hard, but my singers really needed to go over that song. So I figured we could like, you guys could get through it and the next one will be easier. So like something to that effect. But yeah, anyway, it, it was good. Uh, I will say my ability to play bar chords has drastically improved because of that. The next time I play is actually on my birthday, the day this episode drops. And thankfully, that one is a song that uh, I know and have played a little bit before So uh, with some friends. So this one's not going to be as difficult. Uh, also, no bar chords and pretty straightforward rhythm and it's the same four chords throughout the entire song. So that is definitely a lot nicer. Speaking of music, I got the new Skillet album this past weekend. Uh, for those of you who are Skillet fans, I ordered the box set and uh, came with an autographed poster, a hoodie. I am not wearing the hoodie. I thought about wearing it, but uh, this isn't a video podcast, so you guys wouldn't be able to see it anyway. I am wearing my Garth Brooks Stadium tour shirt. 
uh, just because, well, it was right there when I was grabbing a t-shirt to put on. So yeah, there's that. It is pretty cool. I didn't realize it came with a coffee mug, which is nice. That's kind of cool. I did find out my friend who pre-ordered through Amazon, they had the date wrong, the release date. And so he got his two days early. And so got to get to listen to that before I did. I was mildly jealous, but he's been a Skillet fan longer than I have. So that's pretty cool uh, for him. So that's all I've got going on. Saving money is hard, especially as you get more responsibilities with age. Lucas Casadas is a fee-only certified financial planner. He owns and runs Level Up Financial Planning virtually out of Fort Collins, Colorado. And just like us here at Complete Developer Podcast, his focus is on helping you to not only establish a real plan, but to be able to take action so that you can live the best version of your life, regardless of where you are. Investing in financial planning services really comes down to whether or not you can improve your finances. And with the help of Level Up, the compounding impact of making better financial decisions easily pays for itself. I know we just had someone in our Slack talk about working with Lucas. Someone who, uh, who's who been at this for a little while, not, not a brand new junior dev, and talked about how he, he got some value out of working with him. Level Up also has a unique pricing model that will help you no matter where you are in your financial journey. Best of all, Lucas is a fiduciary for his clients. And what that means is he's not here to sell you a product, but instead to guide you to making better financial decisions and overall better financial situation. And if you want to hear more about this, you can catch his podcast, Techie Personal Finance Bootcamp, where he covers financial topics that you probably face. And there he also interviews other IT professionals who share how they navigated their own careers. You can also learn even more stuff at levelupfinancialplanning.com. How old is too old to be a software developer? Isn't it a young person's job? These questions come up from time to time, uh, especially if you, uh, you pay attention to, to Quora or Stack Overflow and stuff like that. Or the media, just in general. The cultural expectation of software developers has been a basement-dwelling, hoodie-wearing 20-something while Hollywood has had a hand in perpetuating this stereotype, the majority of developers are actually in their 20s. And this is likely due to the attrition rate of software developers. You know, most start off in their early 20s and leave the field of development for usually other areas of IT or altogether before they end their 20s. Out of the group that I graduated with, I think there's one other guy that's still a software dev. And he went on and got like his, I think he got his master's, you know, first and, you know, stuck with it. And he always really enjoyed it. But like most of them, yeah, they were, they were gone within five years. The half-life of a new software developer really hasn't changed that much. For the career programmer, though, you know, as you get older, ageism can become a real problem. And ageism is a form of discrimination based on a person's age. While direct ageism may not be as present, there are less obvious forms of it that do occur a lot of the startup culture especially is really bad for this i've you know kind of been involved in some of this they have a lot of mandatory overtime they have death march type projects those are kind of i don't know if i would necessarily say that they're intended to be institutional ageism it's just that they don't care a lot of times institutional ageism is an unintentional 
Yeah. Well, the other thing uh, I've seen a lot of these startups do is is they'll do things like, "Hey, we're we're all going out for beers after work, right?" And okay, that's fine if you're 25 and you don't have a kid or something. But when you're in your 40s, like that hurts the next day. <laughs> you just you can't keep that up, you know, and it's a lot rougher on your body. Um, and so there's there's those kind of assumptions that are really they're sort of ignored. Those things really do seem fine when you're young. Like I remember having a beer fridge in my office that was stocked because I was working for a startup and it was great. I was like 24, all the beer I could basically drink after hours. But oh, by the way, I was working 80 hours a week. There is no way in the world I would do that now. Yeah. Because as we age, our bodies and our priorities change. We become no longer able or willing to do things that we did when we were younger like those death marches or day drinking on the job. And some of us stop drinking altogether. These changes can have a positive or negative effect on our careers as developers. If these changes are taken into account as we become older, we're able to apply our hard-earned knowledge and experience in ways that will better our careers, even more so than the late nights and death marches when we were younger. Yeah, I think a lot of times the late nights and death marches teach you the value of the things that aren't late nights and death marches. Mm -hmm. I don't know that I would be where I am now had I not learned those things the hard way. I would recommend not learning it the hard way, just like listen to us complain about it instead, but uh, it is what it is. In this episode, we're going to take a look at a few things that you can do to improve your life as a developer as you age through your career. And These are things that you can start doing while you are young that will help you to be able to thrive as a developer as you get older. In the Aftercast, we'll discuss tips to help overcome ageism in the workplace. So guys, the first thing we have here is more of a statement than the rest. The rest are things like actions. This is more just a statement. With age comes an understanding of your own limits. In college and maybe a few years after, several years for some people, uh-huh. <laughs> Quite a few. Well into my 30s before I learned this. Pulling all-nighters was a regular occurrence that you could easily snap back from. As you mature, though, you get more responsibilities and you're not able to sleep in after a late night. Well, and the other thing, too, is like I, I know in my 20s, I could get up, I could get like two hours of sleep and get up and be reasonably functional the next day. Yeah. And sleep the next night, and I was fine. And now, man, it's like if I get less than enough sleep, it's two or three days before I'm back to semi-normal. Yeah, I don't know. That's that is that is not something I have experienced. I know you are a little bit older than me, so you know I don't look forward to. Yeah. That. Well, the other thing too is you know the the responsibilities kick in, and so like I can't yeah. necessarily sleep in a lot of times either. So or. I think I can sleep in and then I find out that I can't. That's usually what the way that that works. Mm-hmm. It's not, oh, I can make a choice to sleep in tomorrow. It's like, oh, I think I'm sleeping in tomorrow. And then you find out, no, you're not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, This is one of those things, too, that uh, as someone who is single and lives on his own and does not have children, I get a little bit more freedom and being able to go, all right, well, my workday starts at 730, so I don't have to get up at five. I can... I can sleep until seven twenty-five. <laughs> yeah, sleeping until seven doesn't happen for me very much, even on weekends. No. Uh, that's just not the way things go. But 
the thing is, is you start learning your limits. And if you want to age gracefully in your career, you need to really start actually trying to work within your limits instead of relying on exceeding your limits as a crutch. For one thing, you're not going to accomplish as much as you could when you were younger and you push yourself past the limit. Just You're not going to be able to. Just, just the fact that you know more stuff and you know what can go wrong, like you're going to spend more time in analysis paralysis when you're tired. That by itself mm-hmm. will pretty much kill that. There really is a point of diminishing returns where you're not effective. And as you get older, you get a better sense of where this is. You get a more accurate sense of where it is. It's It probably is moving back, but you're more aware of it versus blowing past it and then getting nailed later. Mm. And guys, as fun as they can be, at some point, you do have to leave the weekend hackathons to the developers who are trying to prove themselves and instead focus on efficiency and getting more accomplished in less time. Because... You've put in that time, you've put in that that work. And if if you're younger and you start working on, hey, let me work as efficient as possible, then you'll start looking for how to be more efficient and how to get more done with less time. And that's going to give you more time to do the things you enjoy. Like not yeah. saying you don't enjoy software development, but the other things you enjoy because you should have other things that you enjoy. Yeah, the occasional hackathon is is still fun if that's if that's your jam. But yeah, be be careful about your reasons, I guess is the big one I would say. The next thing is you need to make your physical, mental, and emotional health a priority. I know when I was in my 20s, there was one job that I had that was with a startup and I had partial ownership of it. And I was working 80 hours a week and I bet I ate bologna sandwiches like five days a week. Uh, because they were easy to make and you just take them and stick them in the beer fridge. And um, you can do that in your 20s. When you try that in your 40s, your body tells you no. Honestly, it just sounds gross to me. But It was pretty gross. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't mind a, fl- a fried bologna sandwich every now and then. Honestly, I haven't had one in probably a decade. But Well, these were dirt cheap and it was right after um, I'd had a fairly long period of being out of work. And so I was yeah. also rebuilding my finances. Mm-hmm. No, I get, I get that, man. And it was a step up from ramen. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I can't say anything. I've, I've had times where I've done similar things in the past. There are those, like, the last three or four days before the paycheck when you're just going through everything you've got in the house or the apartment at the time, figuring out, all right, what can I make with this? Some of your most creative cooking comes during that time. Ramen noodles that you put uh, Taco Bell hot sauce in the water and then you toast sesame seeds and toss them in that. (laughs) It's very, very cheap and it's quite edible. I mean, it tastes like poverty now, but it was pretty nice back then. Yeah. Software development is not a physically demanding job. We sit at desks most of the day. I mean, unless you've got like a standing desk or a walking desk, but basically we sit. What this means is it's important for you to take time to actively seek out time within your day to get some physical activity. One of the benefits of working from home is I have a dog who wants to go out. And so rather than just opening the door and letting him run out, except for, you know, when it's snowing again, (laughs) 
And I realize some of you guys that you're like, it snows all the time here. What's the big deal? Yeah, we live in the south of the United States. Sort of like you guys don't know how to deal with good football teams. Anyway. Oh, <laughs> oh, <ooh>, man. <laughs> what about the SEC on them? My goodness. Oh, yeah. No, um, <laughs> that was good, man. That was good. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Uh, we can't really say much. We've got Vandy here in Nashville. So anyway, but it's important to get out and move around. I, I go to the gym on my lunch break also, but definitely take some time just to get up and walk around. I, I think we've had some episodes on this. That's why we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on it. But the key here is you have to make the effort to do this. This isn't something that's just going to generally come naturally to a lot of people. And I will point out if you're cranky, going and doing some kettlebell swings is great. Yeah. Software development is a mentally uh, demanding job at times. There's also times where you're bored to tears, which is also a different kind of mental demand. (laughs) But your workouts and things get your body out of the overly restful state. You also, since you are working your mind heavily, you do need to have some way to let your brain actually relax. I mean, you know, to step away from the code and you know have a normal life, and this could be through any of a number of hobbies uh, that are not mentally taxing. I, mean, I think that's the key there because I know a lot of software devs. They're, they're like, "Oh, my hobby is I build electronics, from scratch, and like design things." It's like, wow, that's not like, that is a way to get to burn out quick. I mean, I mean, it sounds like a lot of fun. Oh yeah, and I totally like. I'll play like rounds and rounds of Factorio, which is a complicated game. But yeah, I'm right there with you. I'm just calling it out as not being a good idea. Uh, and you do still need uh, need something. I think the big thing is blowing off steam is, is a yeah. lot of it. that really helps. Mm-hmm. A lot of people play video games for that. I say you should combine these two and do something physical that doesn't require a lot of mental but lets you blow off some steam so i don't i don't know uh paintball anyone i mean <laughs> swinging a big heavy kettlebell will do it eh, yeah i guess real so. quick i just you know want to shoot paint at people i don't know why i'm just I understand. In, the, in the mood to go play some paintball i might get my friends together and go play some later when the weather warms back up and we're not like frigid so finally <laughs> While the image of the graybeard curmudgeon is a fun trope, you don't want to be the old angry developer. Find ways to address your emotional health through maybe talking to friends or a counselor. Meditation is really great for this. Even some forms of escapism that can help with the the mental stuff. Like there are ways that you could combine all three of these, but like, Reading and music, so like playing music is really great because it it involves some physical movement. It's kind of like mentally relaxing once you get it down and it helps with the emotional. So yeah, everyone should pick up an instrument is what I'm saying. No, I'm I'm, I'm kidding about that, but that is something that, uh, that would help with that too. Yeah, I'll also add one more thing here. Those three, you know, your physical, mental, and emotional health being a priority means that you don't stay in situations that hurt those. Mm-hmm. that will get really, really important the longer your career goes. I have left so many places that were bad for me 
and I don't regret a bit of it. There were times I regretted right after because it was a little bit rough, but years on, nope. Yeah. yeah. Next, and this one kind of put it towards the middle because it's sort of a, a an important one here. Expect technology to always be changing. Yeah, when you've been developing a while, it's very easy to think that things worked the way you learned them when you learned them. And that's not necessarily always true. Um, sometimes it is and they've you know covered stuff up or they've, they've made things simpler, but it's still the same under the hood. Other times it has completely changed. Now, you will see patterns in the way that technology advances, but it's probably not realistic to assume that it's always going to stay the same and that everything you learned five years ago still works now in the same way or that that's the optimal approach. It may work the same, but it just it doesn't work the same for you. What you learned in school, even boot camp, was basically outdated when you learned it. Even if you're on the bleeding edge of technology, what you're doing will be outdated in a few years. Months, if you're using a JavaScript framework. I say that kind of jokingly, but it's really true. Yeah, it does seem like the closer to the front end something gets, the faster things move. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Like the back end technology, like if you learned ANSI SQL from 1992, you can still get around in a database just fine. If you learned JavaScript from 1995 and you try to get on the modern web, not so much. Early in your career, you have to be kind of up to date on all the latest changes because that's the value proposition you bring is you can be put anywhere that you'll fit. As you mature, you don't have to know the most cutting edge stuff, but you do want to stay informed about the changes that are taking place in the field. Mm-hmm. You know, Ideally, you have, which we're going to talk about here in a minute, you have a bit of a focus. Yep. Instead of going broad, you go deep. Exactly. That is the, the next point we're going to get into in just a moment. The thing is, and uh, the reason I put this one first is because I wanted to get across the idea that your goal, like your focus changes as you mature. So instead of going broad, your focus does change on that. But you still need to be aware of those broader changes. You don't want to be a C-sharp developer still developing things the exact same way you were 10 years ago. Because the language has changed a lot. Or making the same assumptions, like I'm directly connecting to a database versus going through an API or going through GraphQL or something like that. Um, Because you'll eventually be forced to do it. And if you have to relearn, if you have to learn all the stuff for the last 10 years, that's really unpleasant. I know people that have done that. And I know some of them that have just gotten out of tech rather than go through that. And I don't blame them at all. That's a long way to go. So as we've hinted at, the next thing is find your niche and focus your efforts on being the best you can at it. Yeah, junior devs get a broad range of knowledge so that they can get in somewhere, anywhere that they can fit, <laughs> right? Like that's, you know, it's it's like an ecological niche and you're an invasive species. You just go wherever you can live mm-hmm. and then eventually you start fitting in you know mid-level is about perfecting your skills and then finding the area in development where you want to spend your career right that's the beginning of specialization yeah yeah you're still mid-level you're kind of doing like mini dives into different areas you know where you're going all right let me dive into this and see if i like it so rather than you know 
you're not going scuba diving. You're just jumping into the deep end to see if you like the flavor of that water. I don't. I don't know. I'm. You're snorkeling now. You're snorkeling. There you go. That's. <laughs> All right. There. That. That works. That works. Finding your niche doesn't mean becoming an expert in a particular language, though it could. But I, I wanted to specify that it it doesn't mean a specific language. Typically means a particular set of problems or a framework for solve or an approach for solving problems. Yeah. 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 So like uh, your niche could be correcting poorly written code. Like you're the person who comes in after the fact to fix things. I know Will has done a lot of that in his career. And that's a that's a very good one to have if you can put up with because it. Because there's always going to be people screwing up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Another thing could be uh, updating ancient systems to more modern ones. Uh, this will keep you a little bit more up to date on the modern stuff, but it doesn't mean that you have to be a massive developer. Like you don't have to know all the the quirks and ins and outs of it. Is you get well, them up there and get them started. And I can speak to this a little bit because I've had to do a fair bit of this. The the greatest part about being able to do this is you're dealing with mature stacks on both sides mm-hmm. right because you're probably updating something that's you know really really old and crusty but like it's not changing quickly and you're moving it to a not bleeding edge version of a newer stack yeah and so like the docs are there things are mature they're not breaking you're mm-hmm. just moving functionality and that's really really nice um, until you get somebody that wants to you know switch to the bleeding edge and then you suffer a lot yeah, I've uh, I've seen both of those. He's right though. Like it, it is. It's nice because most of the time, with that particular area, you're not. If you like learning new things and keeping up with the newer technology, you're able to do this, but not in the okay. I have to be able to learn this in the next week to go develop something hardcore in it. You've generally got some time to tell people are going to want to upgrade to that well and you also want to think about the competitive aspects right like if i have to learn the bleeding edge framework to be productive within a month let's say Mm -hmm. um some dude that's just out of boot camp can do the same thing yeah and i'm not competing from a position that is advantageous for my skill level or the salary level i would like to have because that dude can live on ramen and i don't care to do that (laughs) But when you do find a niche like this, you want to look for something that will hang around for a while, if not you know, forever. For example, if you were saying, hey, I'm going to take an old uh, ASP website and I'm going to upgrade it to AngularJS, that was totally the hotness in what the early 2010s, I guess. This would have probably been okay. If you do this now, Like you're not really moving the needle anywhere and you're going to have a hard time finding work. So yeah, you know, kind of be careful about that. Now, of course, you could say, hey, I just I upgrade old sites to newer tech and you just stay up on the newest or newish stuff and do that. Yeah, and that's that's sort of what I was getting at when, when I wrote that point was you don't want to be so specific that you paint yourself into a corner. And when like, like I use J- AngularJS specifically for a reason because Angular 2 was so different. And like if you had been, oh, well, I upgrade old websites to Angular 2, Going to Angular, what are we at? Like 12 now? I don't know. 13, I think. 13, yeah. 
but between two and 13, there's, there's been a lot of changes, but it's not like a whole new way of writing angular. Like it was between one and two. Well, and I think one thing that's a salient point here is to remember that the technology, the people paying for it for the most part, don't care about the technology you use. Mm -hmm. They care about the results you get. The technology is a means to get to that. Yeah. That's a really good point. Sounds like a good episode idea. Yeah. Should, uh, someone should write that. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Also, your niche needs to be something that will have enough jobs for you in the future. We kind of hinted at this a little bit. You want it in an area where you can comfortably find work, but also be in demand. So you don't want it to be so prevalent that everybody's doing it. But you don't want it to be so, I don't want to use a so, so niche, but like so scarce, rare, scarce, rare, yeah, that. Or boutique. Yeah. You have trouble finding work. Like you want somewhere kind of in that Goldilocks zone between the two. Yeah. Because if you get into, into something where there's a, a crap ton of people, everybody and their mother eventually gets into it. And then the prices for your work go down. Yeah. And that's not a good place to be. Now, the next point is to leverage your experience to put yourself ahead of the game. You're going to be working throughout your career to get knowledge that really you can only get from experience, right? Like you can't really get everything you need just from watching videos. But you'll end up at a point where when a problem occurs, you know where it is because you've had this problem before. Yeah. And it's just filed away in your brain somewhere that this is kind of how they approached it. Here's, yeah, here's how it broke last time. I think I know where it broke this time. And you can't create that except through experience. Yeah. I remember when I first started as a lead, I hadn't done Angular in years. And they put me leading a team doing Angular development. Like I had been on the the API side for so long. I had done a little bit, but yeah, just to keep my skills up. So I hop on a pair session with the two junior developers I have on my team. And I'm going through something and I messed something up. I, I don't remember what it was now, but I messed something up. I was like, well, guys, mess that up. Let's figure out what I did wrong. And we can fix it. So we start going through and, and trying to figure out what I did wrong. Anyway, uh, I think the next week I was talking to my boss because we were like, I was literally, it was like the first or second week I was there with the team. And I was like, yeah, this happened. Uh, like, I feel bad because I, I messed up and we had to go figure it out and solve it. She's like, yeah, I heard about that. The guys thought it was like one of the best pair programming sessions they'd ever been in. They said all these videos they watch, they just show you stuff. They never show you, well, what happens when it goes wrong? And you walked them through your process. She's like, they were so excited about that. And I was like, really? That's awesome because I'm going to mess up a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is great that it's to my advantage. Well, you know, like last week after we had the aftercast, the guys got on a call with me walking through some code that had a problem with dependency injection. Mm-hmm. And they're not .NET developers. They're Java developers. And we had it fixed in five minutes. And it was it was something really dumb that I was doing. And I couldn't see it because I've been looking at it too long. And you'll kind of get that thing where you're, even if it's not your language or your platform, you get a sense. Yeah, I mean, the, there's... There's a lot of similarities, especially in languages with the same parents. C sharp is a ripoff of Java in a yeah. lot of ways. Well, yeah, it's, but also just like the concepts. And that was the thing. That's what 
the real advantage for them because the two of them have been doing a lot more angular work than I had. They, they knew more of like TypeScript and angular than I did, but I've done more coding in general. And so a lot of the concepts like, I remember some of our early pair sessions, I would go, all right, so I know how to do this in C sharp. Here's what I want you to, to show me how to do in angular. And they'd be like, Oh, I never thought about doing it that way. Like it's just like this this concept and stuff, and it's like, yeah, here's how you right. do that, and like, so I'm learning the syntax, and they're learning the constructs and the concepts, and it, it's honestly we've been doing that for a while, and I've gotten them thinking in that that kind of terms, and so it's it's a lot of fun. One of the best things you can provide is that experience. You know what has and hasn't worked in the past, and can quickly narrow down debugging based on that experience. That's another conversation I've had that. One of them has called me in or both of them have been working on something and called me in and be like, hey, you know, we just we need some help with this. And I like find it almost immediately. And like, hey, it's not that you guys aren't really good coders. It's I've literally seen this problem 10 or 15 times. Yeah. So I knew exactly where to look. Yeah, um, I know where the ranks are in the yard because I ran through it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, you guys, the next time you something like this comes up, you're going to know where to look you're going to start to develop the sense so that when something similar comes up, you'll have an idea of where to look. And it's just, that's, that's something that can only come with experience. And that's what older developers bring. You know, and if you find yourself applying for positions where there are a lot of younger developers, you know, even if they are senior developers, you probably still have an advantage if you've been at this a while because you have a longer backlog of experience that you can pull from when you work with something so you can you can bring it up in the interview and go oh well i remember you know doing this and you know this is kind of like what we used to do back in the day on this other thing and and you can have a very interesting conversation that shows the depth of your knowledge and it doesn't feel like you're trying to show off mm-hmm. you do it right because if you're still early in your career or a younger developer now's the time to be looking for the experiences that you can use to your advantage in the future i know the two junior developers i work with they are are looking for that kind of stuff. They have both asked me, hey, when you get stuck on something, can you like let us in on it so we can watch and we can learn how to debug better? And then most recently, we've been going through unit tests and I've been working with them on their unit tests and how to, to write better tests to get better, like not just get code coverage, but to actually test the things that we're trying to test, not just code coverage. Uh-huh. I'm familiar with that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've done it too. So, but uh-huh. yeah, it's it's one of those things, but yeah, that that's the thing. They are hungry and eager and I'm like, I see why you guys got hired here because you've got that drive. So, what I'm saying is don't shy away from the more difficult tasks because that experience will help you later on. Yeah, and you don't want to be the developer that just coasts. I mean, you'll eventually get to those more difficult tasks, but it takes longer. Yeah. And it's you might as well go and and get those now. And then you can you can always choose to do easier stuff. Yeah. But the opportunities to do harder stuff are a a bit harder to come by, at least for a while Mm -hmm. until you get typecast and then you're stuck with it. But um (laughs) you walked into that one head first. The next one is to know your value as a leader and a mentor. 
it can be really, really tempting to keep all your knowledge kind of siloed away and not share it with other people. This is something that older developers really struggle with because you feel like if I hand out all my knowledge to everybody around me, I'm getting paid more or I've been around longer or, you know, whatever the reasoning is, I'm not valuable now. No. And, you know, they can can me and, and move on. That really is the opposite of reality. Uh, your ability to share your knowledge and experience with the people junior to you is one of your big selling points because you make the entire team more effective. Uh, there is not a point where you have given out all your knowledge. The game theory thing here is they can't really fire you thinking that you've handed it all out because they're probably wrong. Older developers with experience not only bring valuable knowledge and that experience, but they should be able to help the rest of the team to understand their knowledge and use their experience to not make the same mistakes, to learn from the mistakes that they made. Yeah, and once you have enough experience that you're comfortable in something or reasonably comfortable, um, I wouldn't say like super comfortable, actually start kind of trying to mentor some of the people around you. Like, And I don't mean like, hey, I'm, you know, yo, bro, I'm going to be your mentor. But like when you have conversations, go, oh, I've got this trick for this thing. Let me show you. You know what I learned today because it's neat, mm-hmm. and start doing those kind of things because it will prepare you for the day when you do have to mentor somebody. Because when you have to mentor somebody, that's not something you see coming. That gets dropped in your lap. Yeah, like you literally never ever see that coming, unless you apply for a job that has it in the job. Yeah, like as a developer evangelist or something like that. Which I don't. I, we, we've got friends that are. We do. Um, I'm sure that we could probably either one of us could get a job doing that. Um, I thought I wanted to for but, a while. Yeah, I kind of did too. And I've thought about it at different points. It's it's an interesting thing. But other than that, I will tell you, when you have to mentor somebody, you usually do not find out until you see something that's like, uh, okay, I need to do something. I need to help this guy out. Yeah. Now, whether or not you have authority, when you have experience, you are a leader. You don't have to be a manager or even a lead developer to influence and lead a team. So we do have a future episode on leading by influence that's going to be be coming out uh, at some point this year. I haven't finished writing it yet. But uh, I would like to add one thing to this Uh, real quick. It is easier to lead without the authority uh, as far as mentoring people when you're not their manager because it's, it's like prescriptive when you do it as a manager. And you do it as a elder learned colleague, they will debate you more and they will learn more because they don't just do what the boss says. <laughs> yeah. If yeah. That makes sense. Right. Like that's been my experience when I've been the boss. It's like, holy crap, just because I said this doesn't mean that I'm accurate. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Have you yeah. looked at me? Do I look like somebody that's right all the time? Uh, this is this is why I like making mistakes in front of my developers because they know they're like, and they'll, they will, I encourage them to, Hey, if you think what I'm doing is wrong, ask me about it. Cause I need to have a good reason for it. Because if I don't, then it becomes a discussion. And well, and that's how they teach you too. Yeah. Right. And that's how you get the experience for the next set. Yeah. And they do too. Mm -hmm. You, You basically build that culture. But guys, these are just a few things to help you in your career as a developer. Software development is more than just a job. It's a lifestyle. As such, it is one that can be lived for many years if done properly. 
use the information that we've talked about here. If you're new to the field to set yourself up for success throughout your career, if you've been in development for a while, these are here to help you be your best self and share that with others. That pretty much wraps us up before we close everything out. Will, what do you have for us this week for Tricks of the Trade? Well, when you're teaching somebody or you're you're trying to improve things, you know, we, we talk about the curmudgeonly older developer a lot. We've all been there probably if you've been at this a while. You'll you'll hit a point where you're just tired of the crap. Mm-hmm. That is the least effective point that you could be at for actually affecting organizational change. If you want to actually make things better, you do it with joy. And there's a lot of reasons for this. One, people don't want to be around a curmudgeon. Secondly, they want the curmudgeon to be wrong, right? People naturally do want to be around happier people, and they don't want to have to tell somebody who is unhappy and makes everyone else unhappy that they were right. Right, so you're you're creating internal resistance in places that you don't want it. So try to find the joy in your work, however you can, if you want to grow the people around you. So yeah, we're we're pushing on our time, but I really want to say this because it came up while you were talking. Your attitude is a choice. It's something that you can choose to change. And surprisingly fast if you really need to. So when, you know, I haven't talked about this in a while, but when I was going through the breakup last year, one of my friends pulled me aside and he was like, man, you've been kind of moping around for a few weeks. And if you're going to move forward, you need to choose joy. And so that is something that you actively do. If you're like grumpy and stuff, you can still choose joy. And you may not feel it at first, but you start choosing it you start feeling it. it it's kind of cool. Well, and the people around you don't make things worse. <laughs> that's that's much. true. They don't actually. Yeah. So, but that's... It's like mixing poison. Eventually the fumes get you. Yeah. So mix not poison. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and maybe the fumes will get the people around you. I guess that's pretty much it. Uh, in the aftercast, we are going to talk a little bit more about the whole ageism thing, specifically how to overcome it in the workplace because it's probably a good time for that conversation. That's pretty much it. Stand by for Titanfall. If you have a question or comment, please email us at neckbeards at completedeveloperpodcast.com. Our theme music is an excerpt from Stand By for Titanfall by Pure Bells, available on SoundCloud and licensed through Creative Commons. For references, show notes, and extra tips and insights, be sure to check out the website at completedeveloperpodcast.com. Help us make the show possible by supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash complete developer podcast. You'll get extras, including a weekly aftercast where we discuss the topic of the week and bonus material with some of our patrons. You can also follow us on Twitter at complete dev pod, like our page on Facebook and follow us on Instagram to keep up with news about the show. Join the conversation anytime via Slack by signing up at slack.completedevelopernetwork.com. Thanks for listening. See you next time.